This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And this is our podcast. It is. <laughs> you know, wait, I want to actually, let's start this episode with a quick call out okay because i went i went to our wikipedia page to see what number episode this was going to be and our wikipedia page it someone stopped updating it oh it's been left in june it's just june she was i know so i feel lost but we do have wait let me figure out their twitter handle oh yes yes who um who very generously uh, made 500 charts. Uh, yeah, so it's on Twitter. Their handle is uh, without gorillas. But it, it truly is really fascinating. We reposted it to our social media, but it kind of just breaks down every aspect of our show, like truly every aspect of like, how has Caitlin rated movies? How has Jamie rated movies? What is the breakdown of like directors by gender and by race and uh, just basically a really interesting look at what we've covered so far that was genuinely helpful to us Mm -hmm. so shout out truly some like incredible work that is genuinely like informing and helping our show so yeah thank you so much and um but you know wikipedia i don't know who who i we genuinely we never knew who was keeping our wikipedia page up to date Mm -hmm. but thank you for all of the work that you did and I think it's a beautiful tribute to our show all the way through June 2020. Incredible. (laughs) Anyways, welcome to the show. (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is uh, the Bechtel cast in which we examine film through an intersectional feminist lens, one movie at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we use the Bechtel test simply as a way to initiate a larger conversation about representation. But Jamie, what's the Bechtel test? 
Okay, I do know the answer. Okay, I'm ready. It is a media metric originally created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test, Mm -hmm. uh, that requires that a piece of media do the following. And we have altered it slightly for the purpose of our show. Mm -hmm. Um, So, two named characters of a marginalized gender Mm -hmm. must talk to each other about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue. It doesn't usually happen in a movie. Not enough. Not enough. Have you seen Austin Powers? Sorry, I have our Wikipedia page up and uh, (laughs) just pulling from, you know, uh, there's a lot of movies in which it doesn't pass. We use Mm -hmm. this as a jumping off point for discussion. We don't spend the whole show trying to figure out if it passes the Bechdel test. Imagine Mm. how boring that would be. (laughs) I I think... Someday we're going to pivot to that. That would be a fun April Fool's episode. It's just going through a script oh, yeah. line by line that is like the Shawshank Redemption and be like, what about this exchange? What about this one? Nope. Between two men. Still no. <laughs> uh, well, today's episode, I think we'll, you know, not to spoil anything, but I think it's going to fare okay-ish mm-hmm. as far as Bechtel test specifically goes but there's a lot to talk about because the movie is how stella got her groove back and a popular request a popular request and of course we have a guest joining us she is a comedian she is one of the co-hosts of love about town podcast she's a host of complexify on vice and she is our first ever fourth time guest of the Bechtel cast it is Kenise Mobley hello hello that makes me so happy I did not know I was the only four-time guest Uh suck it other guests you other guests can kiss my ass I'm a fourth timer next time I'm on I get a smoking jacket that's how this shit works we're doing we talked about that we talked about that last time yes we did it's important that they know (laughs) There's a jacket on the way. Yes. I feel validated. And I don't know why I've indicated, but I'm going to go with that too. Oh, yeah. You should. You should feel those things. Hell yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. It's so good to see you. It's It's good to see you too. Man. This is not important to the podcast at all, but I do love your sweatshirt very much. Uh, It is when Bong Joon-ho won for Best Picture, right? Yes. Yes. It's a... Oh, quick, quick shout out. Caitlin and I were just talking about it. Uh, this was a sweatshirt made by one of our favorite companies, Super Yaki. It was a collaboration they did with Karen Han, who's like this amazing writer who is so funny. And yeah, so they just made a Bong Joon-ho sweatshirt and it's my prized possession. That's so cool. It's really good. Um, <laughs> and that does a little bit to foreshadow an upcoming episode we're doing on Parasite. Yeah, I strictly so, choose outfits based on foreshadowing future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> very strategic stuff going on here my all my t-shirts are um flashbacks to past episode because <laughs> past episodes because i have uh, josie several josie and the pussycats t-shirts i have several titanic shirts i have several paddington shirts i have several star wars shirts i have jurassic park shirt i have a several back to the future shirts i have an indiana jones shirt i'm really just i have too many graphic tees <laughs> About a lot of toxic movies. Not all of them are toxic movies, but too many of them are. Who among us doesn't have a shirt or two referencing a toxic movie? I thought that you were saying that the shirt you were wearing at this moment was a reference. And I was like, deep 
deep blue sea. She's just wearing a blue t-shirt. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, God, what is... Okay, sorry, that's on me. <laughs> Makes you think. <sighs> you know, maybe it is, though. Could be, could be... Blue is the warmest something. color, maybe? Mm. Ooh, we're overdue for that episode, so... Oh, yeah. Um, so, okay, so, Kenise, what is your relationship with how Stella got her groove back? So everyone in my life saw it when I was early teens or no, like late childhood, whatever you call that, tweens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everyone in my life was seeing it when I was a tween and my cousin moved down to St. Thomas, I think after reading the book, uh, not watching the movie. My mom went on this very dramatic vacation where she bought several bathing suits for it. She went to... <laughs> St. Thomas. Uh, So it was like a big thing that people were talking about. And anytime anyone dated a younger man, it was like, oh, she's getting her groove back. So Mm -hmm. I didn't see it until this year, but it was part of my world for 20 years before that. Sure. Amazing. (laughs) Have you read the book at all? I have not read the book. I am so interested in reading it based on the background that we discussed before this recording happened. Mm-hmm. Which we'll talk about. Yes, 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 yes. A little bit later. But, Caitlin, you, um, have you read yeah. the book? I haven't read the book. Okay. Um, I, as you know, I never read books. Well, this is, this is, the, this is the part where we at the Boxable Cast famously remind our listeners that we do not we read don't books. read <laughs> books. Um, I still think I'm, I still carry so much trauma from how mad people were. But after the Lord of the Rings episode, I'm like, we are not a book podcast. I don't know what to say. People were furious at us. A few people were furious at us, too, for the Practical Magic episode. They were There's like, a book? just read the book. And <laughs> there is a book. Who knew? We have to do an episode every week. We can't be reading a full. We don't, we don't have to. There's a free podcast. We don't like just take service. it or leave it. People. Oh, my God. It stresses me out. So it stresses me out so much. So just so you know, we didn't read the book. Did not read it. But I agree that that rewatching the movie made me want to read the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jamie, what is your relationship with the movie? Uh, This is, I think I have this experience with a number of movies we've covered before. I've seen this movie, but I saw it like on TV, like TBS or TNT in chunks. And I never like really sat down and watched this movie and Mm -hmm. really um, like took it all in at once. So um, this was my first time really like giving this movie my full attention. I knew I was like five when it came out. So I did. So I don't remember. I know a lot of people like my mom saw it I texted her I was like did you see how Stella got her groove back she's like oh yeah it was a bit it was a night out with friends I was like okay oh Jill <laughs> yeah Jill loves a rom-com and this is you know mm. we're in the golden age of rom-coms mm. here so yeah I this was my first time kind of really seeing it with full attention and I really loved it. It it really, I mean, I'm easily mo- emotionally manipulated and this movie did take full <laughs> advantage of that at many points. Uh-huh. But I lo- I loved watching it. it was, it's such a fun, different, cool movie. Uh, what about you, Caitlin? Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen this movie before prepping for this episode. I'll chalk it up to, if you take the a Venn diagram of romantic movies either like romantic comedies or romantic dramas because this movie kind of falls somewhere in the middle of that it yeah it it switches tones at different moments yeah for sure 
uh, that on like one circle of the Venn diagram and then movies that Caitlin tends to watch and enjoy. Um, there's very little <laughs> overlap. It's Titanic. <laughs> Titanic, it's Titanic is in the center. Yes. And it's uh, maybe like Moulin Rouge. You can throw in there. Interesting. Um, and Before Sunrise. And then oh, every yeah. other romantic drama or romantic movie really of any kind um, is, <laughs> you know, I just probably haven't seen it or don't care about it. <laughs> so I had not seen this movie. So I didn't really know what to expect. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about. I can't wait. It's <laughs> There's some goofy, there's some really silly scenes that I can't wait to describe. <laughs> and I'm very excited. Can't wait. Can't wait. Should we just, should we dive into the recap and go from there? Yeah, a lot happens in this movie. A lot happens, and yet there's sort of not a plot. Caitlin thinks it's too long. It's too, it is too, it's two hours long. It is, I, I'm going to agree. For a rom-com, for what? Yeah, condense all this. Yeah. It's pretty long. Definitely ways to tighten the story. Make it 90 minutes. Don't know why it was two hours. Okay, so we meet Stella. That's Angela Bassett, of course. We see her at work. She does something with stocks or money or business. <laughs> and then know. and then the twist, Victor Garber. Victor Garber is there. Did and not we're like, remember wait he a was minute. <laughs> How Stella got her groove back comes out in 1998. Weren't you just in Titanic the year before this, Victor? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I sure was. Any questions? <laughs> mm-hmm. If a movie involves water, the ocean, the a planned mm. trip that goes awry, he's there. Ooh. He doesn't even need to be near the water. He just has nope, to be in the movie. But he's there in spirit. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Point is, Stella has kind of like an important high stress job and she's very good at it. Then we meet Stella's sisters, Angela, played by Suzanne Douglas, who I'm not super familiar with her or her work, mm. um, but her other sister is Vanessa, played by Regina King. Oh, such a funny Regina King performance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love it. She's been doing this for so long. She's so good. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Big fan. The other sister, Incredible. wow. I mean, you'll get to this <laughs> with the recap, but what a bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She is uh, worth noting that she is highly gregnant in this film. She is Grignat with twins. With two Gregs. Two little Gregs swimming around in there. Um, okay, so her sisters, especially Angela, is trying to set Stella up with a man. And Stella's like, eh, I'm okay. I'm good. We also learn that Stella has an 11-year-old son named Quincy. And he goes off to spend a couple weeks with his dad, Stella's ex-husband, Walter. Mm-hmm. And while he's gone, Stella sees a commercial for Jamaican tourism, and which she kind of like projects herself into the commercial. And then she's like, fuck it. I'm going to call my best friend Delilah, played by Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And she's like, let's go to Jamaica. And Delilah's like, yes. So then cut to they're in Jamaica. <laughs> and- <laughs> And I think it's their first morning there. Uh, Stella is at a restaurant having breakfast and suddenly Tay Diggs is there and he approaches her and he's like, hello, good morning. My name is Winston Shakespeare. 
and she's like okay great name yeah great name great name um which she's like your name is fake and he's like well what if shakespeare was black we don't know which is a very popular theory and it, it yes. comes up all the time it came out like this there was another like wave of, of that this past year oh really wait i hadn't heard this before oh wait yeah. no maybe this year it's uh, it's it's often discussed that shakespeare is black and that beethoven is black maybe that's what happened this year i think the beethoven one came out this year the shakespeare mm-hmm. thing i remember just generally as a, a thing it's a wash in that he he was part black maybe the chick he wrote the sonnet about was part black it's it's yeah mm. it's all good oh interesting i'm gonna have to do some reading on this hell yeah in any case uh winston is hot um <laughs> Big plot point. Very important. Yes. Extremely important that we know that Winston is hot. I did write that down. I was like, I just need to say Tay Diggs, damn. That's all that that's the note. Yeah. He looks great. This is like his like career making role, right? This was like his big breakout role. His first feature, I think. I think so. Like he had already done in rent on Broadway or something before this. Yeah. yeah like yes. mostly stage. Oh yeah, and then that's how he had met Idina Menzel. Right, right, right. Um, also, I should say that my first year of being on Twitter, which was like 2009, 2010, I spent the entire first year just trying to tweet at Tay Diggs to get him to follow me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because he follows everybody he follows more people than follow him he has like some celebrities are just like what is the strategy there yeah there were like articles (laughs) written about it i don't know if anyone remembers this but like people were writing and like commenting all the time about how like people are like what is tay diggs doing on twitter he just will follow anybody he just so he was following tons and tons of people and they weren't you know that some of them were people with like no other followers like he was just following anybody so i was like i need him to follow me so i was just constantly tweeting either at him or about him trying to get him (laughs) to follow me and it never happened he's to this day wow he only follows people who like don't care yeah (laughs) i I, I was trying too hard i guess i don't know you could have just sat still and now I'm like, does Tay Diggs follow? He doesn't. He, there's no way that Tay Diggs follows me. But, Maybe but he like, does. you never know. <laughs> That's true. I think I think we should, p- listeners, please <laughs> help us all get followed. Me, Kenise, Jamie, we all need to be followed by <laughs> Tay Diggs, and we need your help. So please. There's also okay. So there's another Tay. I just. <laughs> There's I saw Tay Diggs recently on television because I shamefully watched Selling Sunset and Tay Diggs is a very present force on it's like a Netflix reality show about this group of horrible women who sell real estate in like mm. Beverly, on, off of Sunset. So it's just like full like remove your brain from your head TV. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy it time to time. It's very silly. Um, but Tay Diggs is on the show buying a house in the first season and everyone's like, is Tay Diggs going to buy the central plot of the whole episode is, is Tay Diggs going to buy this really nice house? And then I forget if he does, but then in the next season (laughs) and the next season, Tay Diggs is not physically there, but is present because he seems to have had such a big outsized influence on season one of selling sunset that in season two or possibly three, his ex-girlfriend or his current girlfriend at the time, I don't remember. All of a sudden, she's a cast member of Selling Sunset. Oh. I don't know why Tay Diggs 
has such an influence over what happens on Selling Sunset. He has but permeated that show yeah. more than you'd think. He's a mystery, that Tay Diggs. <laughs> Anyways, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <The end. laughs> Oh, good grief. Okay. So the point is that in the story, he is attractive and he is 20 years old mm-hmm. and Stella is 40. And they figure this out right away because he starts to hit on her and she's like, how old are you even? And he's like, I'm 20. And she's like, cool. I am twice your age. Also an amazing example of like so infrequently do women get to play their own age on screen and Mm -hmm. Angela Bassett is permitted to play her age in this movie it's I think that's like so rare and awesome yeah Mm -hmm. meanwhile Tay Diggs is a little older than his character I think he was 26 27 27 when he when this movie comes out at least I think so anyway uh he is not bothered by the age difference and he invites her to this like pajama disco party that's happening that night and she's like, um, thanks, but no thanks. But then she goes to the dance and they dance together all night. Uh, but she doesn't spend the night with him. And Delilah, uh, Whippy Goldberg again, is like, Stella, why didn't you have sex with him? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you silly so-and-so. And Stella's like, I don't know. He's like 20 years younger than me. I don't know what I'm doing. And then the next day, Stella takes a dip in the pool and Winston's like, hi, I'm here again. <laughs> we got to Buscemi test this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Although, have you seen pictures of a young Steve Buscemi? I feel like. Yeah. Mm, yes, I have. Uh, <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, okay, I'm listening. Yeah, I get it. Y- yes. Yeah. Mr. Man who's followed me to a pool. Uh, tell me more. Yes. Well, in the movie, when she's like, this pool scene, Danny Glover was in the movie and all of his scenes get cut. But remember the part where she's like, help me. There's this like old man over there trying to hit on me. That's Danny Glover. What? What? Did not know. But they cut everything out except for that kind of like wide shot where you can't even tell that it's Danny. It's also because he's like in old makeup. They like aged him up to make him look older. Um so you can't tell that it's him but anyway they cut all of his scenes so she's like this old guy is trying to hit on me and he's like well so am i and she's like what you're trying to she like somehow doesn't know how does she not know like you just danced with this man for six hours in a row when he when you arrived at the pajama party he stared directly at your breast for a while before looking into your face to talk to you and you're like but you're attracted to me? What? Uh, it's so <laughs> rom-com, though. It's so 90s rom-com where, like, the female lead is like, me? It's like, duh, yes. Right. Even though, I mean, when they met, he, like, comes over to her and he's like, let's have breakfast together. You're so beautiful. Yeah. You can come to this party with me. Yeah. From the moment they meet. But she is, like, not aware that he is hitting on her. Because she's like, wait, you want to be intimate with me? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then cut to they're in her hotel room. And she, okay, I don't know how to describe this foreplay (laughs) that happens. But it's like, it's awkward at first. And then he thinks she's like, in her bed all under the covers lying completely still so then he takes off all of his clothes 
but surprise she's behind him so she like jumps on him and then they're like woohoo yay uh, <laughs> and then it's a weird scene <laughs> but so you're like weird. it's hot but it's weird yeah. yes it's goofy and then they and then they have sex but then and i was getting a little confused by this because it seems like he kind of blows her off or she interprets it as being blown off because he very suddenly gets a job uh, and he's like not available to hang out with her the rest of this vacation. I mean, I mean, I, I kind of interpreted it where she didn't believe that he had gotten mm. the job. And so she's like, I'm being blown off and he made up an excuse to not hang out with me. Yeah, that's what I thought she thought. Yeah. Okay. It was like an insecurity thing. But he did get a job. But he did get a job. Yeah, he wasn't lying. I think she assumed that he was making up an excuse to blow her off. Mm -hmm. But I do have a a quick question. Yeah. She's staying at a resort. Uh Why is he at the resort? Great question. Like, he's there for breakfast. He's not working there. He's just, he he has a hat. Like, he lives with his family kind of close. Why is he there? Why is he there? I thought that too. I did not think that. Well, he does say at one point, like, I'm here trying to get a job. So I don't know if he's just sort of lingering by the the resort. Because he ends up getting a job in the kitchen as like a chef. Yeah. They're like, well, you seem to be here a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) would you like a job? That seems like something my mom would suggest, though, like for how to get a job. (laughs) Well, have you tried just going there, hanging out, (laughs) see what happens? They're bound to do something. You're there. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how a lot of comedy clubs, like, they're like, oh, well, if you want to get booked here, you just have to spend your entire life here. And then we'll maybe think about booking you. Maybe. But there's <laughs> so, a guy named Josh that you got to see him. He makes people laugh so much. So we're going to book him, but not you. Right. Ever. <sighs> Remember comedy. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> So anyway, she's like, she's pissed that, that she thinks like she's being blown off and she goes back home to San Francisco where she gets fired from her job. She's like, now what am I going to do? But then she gets a call from Winston and he's like, I miss you. Come back to Jamaica. And and then cut to she's back in Jamaica. (laughs) Very unclear of, I was like. I was like, is it summer? Like, is it okay that Quincy is, is Quincy skipping school to be a Jamaica right The now? time of this movie, the timing of this movie is not clear. Cause she's like, Mm-mm. hey, yeah. I told Quincy maybe we'd go down for the summer. Wait, when was he with his dad? How long is their relationship before they're like, we'll get to that stuff. But it feels like right. this feels all very fast. In California, you can't tell the weather, but what? Right. Right. No. Especially cause like, and it, yeah, we'll get to this too, but like, he moves in with her at one point and it's like, but you've only been hanging out for two non-consecutive weeks. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So she, so she returns to Jamaica this time with her son and niece. So she's hanging out with Winston. He introduces Stella to his parents, but it doesn't go well. Like his mom comments on Stella's age, uh, calls her desperate, stuff like that. Um, and then Stella gets word that Delilah is having a medical emergency due to cancer, which Stella didn't know Delilah had. So Stella returns to the U.S. Delilah dies. Um, Winston shows up at the funeral and then he moves in with Stella. Like they're now they're living together. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Again, the timeline is very unclear. Yes. Because yeah. Because you get some idea of time when you find out that Whoopi Goldberg has been in the hospital for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, what? 
they don't live in the same place, so I don't know. Like, you, it's very unclear. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <sighs> for sure. But he's living with her now, and some issues arise in their relationship. The age gap is weighing on Stella in particular. Uh, Winston is kind of self-conscious about not being as financially secure as she is, and Stella's just kind of overall feeling sort of aimless about her life and her career and then winston asks stella to marry him and she does not give an answer and a week or so passes and he's like well clearly i'm not the man you want so i'm just gonna i'm gonna go back to jamaica and go to medical school Mm -hmm. so he packs his things up and heads to the airport but stella beats him to the airport we don't know how good driver there's a little okay she's a jet there's a little throw away line from the radio broadcast where we see, so we see Winston in the cab and on the radio it's like well the 101 is is there's so much traffic so if you're going to the airport good luck but the 280 is co- the coast is clear <laughs> so apparently that lets the audience know that Stella took that highway yeah. instead and that's how she beats him to the airport <laughs> cuz when he enters she's already there she's looking around frantically and then they spot each other and then she's like yes i will marry you <laughs> and then they kiss and that's the end of the movie Ta-da! they're gonna live happily ever after i know I was like, in my head i'm like it's not gonna work out but yeah that's what I was like um, the stress of him being younger plus going through medical school also are they just giving out admission into stanford medical like she's just like oh my god (laughs) what yeah she's like just go to stanford yeah she's like stanford has a medical school right why don't you just go there no application (laughs) no waiting process no interviews that's like a what yeah that is a testament to the power of angela bassett because when she said it i'm like oh yeah why didn't he think of that when that is objectively so ridiculous yeah yeah we're just like oh yeah that's what he'll do harvard's got a medical school right <laughs> just go there that was i i was as because i forgot if they get together at the end or not and so after they broke up i was just when he's like i'm gonna go to medical school school i was sitting next to my boyfriend and i was like but there's doctors in america don't go like <laughs> And Angela Bassett felt the same way because yeah. that's what Stella says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to discuss. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we're back. Uh, yes. Where where to begin with this? <laughs> I feel like, so, okay. Just to, I guess, contextualize when this movie came out. I feel like this movie mm-hmm. falls squarely in kind of the golden age of rom-com movies. Where it's like the 90s into the mid-2000s. It's kind of a 10-year period where problematic rom-coms are just several times a year there are many actresses associated with the genre Mm. but this is like i now especially after rewatching it i think for all of the silly things that we're going to talk about of which there are many i think it's one of the best and it's one of the most like grounded interested in its main characters interested in subverting what you kind of think about this genre while also doing a lot of silly things associated with this genre 100 mm-hmm. percent agree yeah yeah like there's they she sets boundaries in this movie in a way that i'm like hell yeah like i don't feel like a lot of characters in rom-coms are like actually i don't like you talking to me like this and this is a clear issue and let's have a discussion about it it's like for some reason I made up in my head that you're cheating on me and now we're fighting. Like the, (laughs) a lot of the disagreements that they have seem justified in like a, we set boundaries. Oh, misunderstanding sort of way. Yeah. Right. I I love that. She, that's like one of the best things that you, you never see. If you see a woman in a rom-com set a boundary, it's almost as like, I feel like it's framed as like a challenge to cross it. And it's a no means yes situation, which we see in rom-coms all the time of like stay away from me (laughs) titanic stay away from me (laughs) and then he's shows up and then she's like you're right i love you and i don't know i I like that stella by and large there's a few moments where you're like what happened there uh but (laughs) but i like that stella is i mean not just setting boundaries with winston kind of setting boundaries with everyone she sets boundaries with her sisters um Mm -hmm. especially angela who deserves it (laughs) who deserves it but even angela kind of has that moment of like they have an actual discussion and angela i was i was like is she going to be like a shrew character yeah but then she has a moment of they have a moment of understanding and apology and you can sort of understand why angela's worried about Stella but also it's like why are you behaving so rudely yeah (laughs) but yeah she sets boundaries that should not be revolutionary in a rom-com but it is (laughs) especially because I mean I don't know still even how much I would classify this as a rom-com because I mean there are humorous moments as one yeah, yeah. And this one. It, it takes a little bit of a tonal shift, especially when Whoopi Goldberg dies. <laughs> okay, that did not need to happen. No, it didn't at all. Not at all. I think that ha- well, I think it happens because this is kind of loosely autobiographical for Terry McMillan, which we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about more. But um, 
she mentions in, in some interview that I watched that around this time in her life, her best friend died. So I think she just incorporated that into mm. this story. But does it make sense for what else happens in the movie? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. But I mean, a lot of rom-coms, there's like a very kind of tried and true structure where it's like either um, they're usually very hetero. So it's like the man and the woman can't be together because they start out hating each other or they're starting to fall in love. But one of them has lied to the other one about something very significant and they'll have to come clean by, you know, the end of the second act. And what is that going to mean for their relationship? So these are the formulas. So this this movie doesn't fall into that formula at all. It's more just like, here here's a woman who knows what she wants, who's already very established in her life because she's 40. She's a mother and she has her shit together. And then along comes Winston Shakespeare, who <laughs> is just too hot to ignore. And... <laughs> they, and he like worships her and she's just like, okay, you know what? I deserve this. I deserve someone who likes me and who cares about me. And even though, do they have anything in common? No, they, they don't. <laughs> they don't. No. <laughs> But, you know, they mostly get along and they're very attracted to each other. So that's why they're together. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> whether they are, at, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think it speaks to how ingrained the, this kind of format is where it's like, even if you pretty much know it doesn't make sense and a breakup between them is probably healthier for both of them. And they basically almost make the practical decision. <laughs> you would be so upset if they didn't kiss at the end because mm. it's a movie. But like realistically, <laughs> this would um, yeah most likely not work out. But I under I mean again, it's like going into the autobiographical stuff, which I guess we should just sort of address at the top. Yeah. So um, this movie was um, based on a novel by Terry McMillan, who we have discussed on the show before because she's also the author and co-screenwriter of Waiting to Exhale. Mm -hmm. She is an icon of this era and now she's still writing. She has mm -hmm. like some fun quotes that I want to go to for an interview she did this year. Um, but why her personal life is relevant to this is because a lot of it is pulled from her own life directly where she went on a vacation in her early 40s, met a man who was 20 or in his early 20s, and they got married. And so, like, she lived out the full How Stella Got Her Groove Back narrative. At least, and, and you know, in 1998, this is reflective of her full experience, uh -huh. where they get married, and Terry McMillan got married to, what was his name? His name... Uh, Jonathan Plummer. Jonathan Plummer. So they do get married, and as of 1998, they are married, and and it's all good. And later on, it became, and I guess I guess like I only feel comfortable talking about this because she was very public about discussing it, mm -hmm. and even as of this year, was like, yeah, no regrets. But so it turned out that their relationship was kind of built on a lot of asterisks. 
in that he was a gay man and that he married her to get uh, i mean it, it was she said and then he sort of said it was to get a green card mm-hmm. so their marriage fell apart in the early to mid 2000s terry yeah. mcmillan went there's two different oprah episodes about it Love it's it. all uh-huh. very of the era where yeah uh caitlin and i both watched through the interviews where the first episode she goes on oprah and she's like i feel so betrayed i feel like what is happening this is so, this is like horrible which yeah, that sounds like a very traumatic experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she goes on Oprah to be like, what the fuck? And then like five years after that, she and Christopher, or not Christopher Plummer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jonathan Plummer. <laughs> I would love Christopher Plummer. Just <laughs> You know when you're like trying so hard not to make a mistake and then you just make it. Um, the sound of music. How Stella got her groove back right there, one after the other. Boom, boom. His biggest legacy. Okay, about so. the love story between Terry McMillan and Christopher Plummer didn't end well. Um, so she and her ex-husband, Jonathan Plummer, go on Oprah like five-ish years after that in 2010. Mm-hmm. And everything is kind of cooled, but they discuss their experience. You hear both perspectives. And that's kind of like a wrap on... You know, it, because how Stella got a groove back is so autobiographical. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how it really would have ended. But this movie was made in 1998, and, and we didn't know what Terry McMillan would come to know at a later time. Yeah, right. But that said, Terry McMillan, I, I know we discussed her on the Waiting to Exhale episode, but she's fucking awesome. Um, she's an iconic black writer who also made the jump into adapting her own work, which I feel like is very rare. Yeah. She, she adapts it with, and we all, I'm going to just breeze through it because we talked about it on the other episode. Mm -hmm. She, uh, partners with Ron Bass, who is like kind of a controversial, uh, white male screenwriter who I don't, I mean, make of him what you will, I guess Mm -hmm. he's written a lot. He's co-written a lot of wonderful movies he seems often paired with a first time or less experienced screenwriter Mm. Uh, but he is very for a straight cishet white guy he is very often writing on projects that are about marginalized communities Mm -hmm. which i don't know i mean he co-wrote rain man he adapted the joy luck club with Mm -hmm. amy tan Mm -hmm. who was the original uh, who's the author of the novel and then he adapted waiting to exhale and how stella got her groove back uh with terry mcmillan there's also like a side controversy where there's it's speculated that all of his screenplays are sort of written by his female assistants that's a whole thing he seems somewhat controversial, but there's not a ton written about him. I wasn't really able to land anywhere. It's all a little sus to me. Sure. Terry McMillan at least liked him enough to collaborate with him a second time. This right. is their yeah. second collaboration. So I don't know. Hmm. Let's ignore him. Terry <laughs> McMillan is awesome. Yeah, this is like partially based on her life. Yes. Hell yeah. Just a kind of to piggyback a little bit more on her and her kind of like legacy and stuff and then we can kind of get back more into the specifics of Stella. Mm -hmm. I was reading an article from 
the Guardian entitled, it was just sort of like um, kind of profiling her. It's entitled novelist Terry McMillan on love, death, and dirty secrets. They describe the Terry McMillan effect, uh, quote, a phrase some use to describe the publishing industry discovering how starved for relatable stories black women are or were, which is like very, I mean, Terry McMillan has written like a few of only a small handful of movies about like that celebrate like black womanhood and that Mm -hmm. like celebrate black female friendship. And again, like, I mean, we talked about this on the set it off episode where there's only like, (laughs) as far as like kind of more mainstream movies go there, there's like girls trip, there's waiting to exhale as far as like an ensemble cast of black women, like, yeah. And their story, like there's just so little. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and Terry McMillan and her work has, like, contributed to what little there is as far as, like, cinematic stories. So we are we are grateful for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it does, it goes to show how, how few of these types of stories <laughs> there are. You know, audiences want more. And yeah. studios keep just not making enough. Mm-hmm. I will say HBO makes stories for black women in a way that I'm like... Guys, look how well these shows are doing for HBO. Just yeah. like I'm not even asking you to be good people. Just make a good financial decision. Like <laughs> all the black women I know watch TV. They watch movies. Yeah. They go out, they do things, they give money to black stuff. All you have to do is make black stuff. Some of it is not good, but we are still going to buy it. Just like it makes good <laughs> economic sense yeah. because we're like, yes, that is me. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have to mentally put myself in the body of a blonde, thin white woman who's younger than me to have a story. Thank you. Okay, please give this to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's only, I feel like that's <gasps> been in pretty recent years yeah. too with it's things like Insecure. And yeah. Um, and, and prior to that, it was just like, well, let's give another, you know, white blonde <laughs> person a show. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of Terry McMillan in the screenplay. It's hard to not bring her up every two seconds. <laughs> right. But she also speaks to another thing that I think how Stella got a group that kind of deviates from your cookie cutter romantic movie from the late nineties, mm-hmm. um, which is addressing an age gap in text at all, especially an age gap where the uh, woman in the relationship is older. She spoke about this in, in an interview this year where she just says, quote, nobody talked about it back then, meaning age gaps. And she's like, at the time for women, dating a younger man felt like a dirty secret. And Mm -hmm. so she's like directly, I mean, not only because it sounds like she got a fair amount of blowback about an age gap in her own life, but also because it's like, well, if she was feeling this way, she guessed correctly that other women were feeling this way and she'd never seen it addressed in a in a large way that doesn't bring a lot of that examines it without like casting shame Mm -hmm. i don't know it's awesome well let's uh, let's let's talk about this the the age gap in this movie and kind of i mean we've talked at length on the podcast about double standards when it comes to just kind of romance across the board for like hetero relationships in particular where it is deemed as being socially acceptable or more socially acceptable for an older man to date a far younger woman whereas uh, if an older woman is dating a younger man 
a lot of people take a lot of issue with it for reasons that are, of course, rooted in sexism and ageism, you know, society not finding value in older women, society having rigid beauty standards that glorify youth and demonize the natural process of aging, uh, you know, just reasons like that. Yeah. And so in the movie we see, you know, it's it's Stella is 40, Winston is 20 he has just finished his like four-year college degree in biology he's kind of gearing up to maybe go to med school but he also doesn't know if that's what he wants so that's where he's at in his life whereas stella is established in her career which she does get fired from later Um, right but But the beginning of that i will say is like and i think it's also seen in waiting to exhale there's this of the 90s, there's this, like, respectable black woman, and, like, she's got to be hyper-competent, mm-hmm. and they really, like, she's on the phone with, like, three different people. She's, like, telling a white assistant mm-hmm. that she needs to go do this and that and the other. It yeah. is this competency porn that, like, informs how I was, like, oh, this is how I'm going to be when I'm 40. Oh, my God. That's, like, this is what being an adult is. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's... I'm happy that we're moving away from that because that's very hard to both achieve and maintain. Yeah, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is, it was nice to see that when I was growing up. Sure. Yeah. And, and like, it is like an unfair standard to like, yeah. <laughs> cause like, you know, uh, yes. black women can be mediocre too. Like they don't yes, have to be thank like, you. they don't have to be these like rich, awesome stockbrokers. We like, can be semi unemployed comedians. Yes. We can do it all. <laughs> Just show us doing all of the things. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God. That, that scene I was, uh, I mean, I was back and forth on that because I totally see what, what you're saying there. I, and, but this is also the most I've ever seen a woman do her job and us <laughs> understand what her job is in a m- romance movie where usually it's like, hi, I'm a curator. Don't ask me why I'm interested in this or how I got this job. I'm a curator. I'm a baker. And it's like you don't know what their passion is and you don't know. Yeah, I don't But But that but there are two. That's a, It's a double edged sword where yeah. I hadn't even considered that they're bringing it up not for no reason and Mm -hmm. yeah and I think there's a whole other conversation to be had about her career and her interests in making furniture (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I won't dive into that too much yet so back to the kind of age gap thing where so Winston approaches her there's never any like I'm reminded of like an episode of 30 Rock where like Tina Fey starts dating a much younger man but they're both lying about their age because it's like oh no so she's (laughs) pretending to be like 30 even though she's like 38 or something and he's pretending to be 25 even though he's 20 so there's nothing like that in this story and how Stella got her groove back they are both extremely upfront about their age right off the bat. Winston doesn't seem to have an issue with it at all. He learns how old she is and he does say some stuff that he thinks is a compliment and it's not a compliment because he's like, yeah. you're 40. You're too hot to be 40 because 40 year old people look like shit is oh what he's okay. loaded. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've never seen a 40 year old woman look as beautiful as you. And it's like, I know you think you're complimenting her, but that's not a compliment. Um, right. Anyway, you don't need to tear down every other 40 year old woman that's ever existed in the process. <laughs> right. 
Um, in any case, they're both made aware of each other's age right off the bat. And it is something that um, Stella especially struggles with. She's getting flack from nearly everybody in her life about it. Her sister, especially Angela, is like, you cradle robber. Delilah teases her about it. Although Delilah is also like, please have sex with him immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's very supportive in a short term sense at first. Right. She's yes. supportive of a fling. And then when it becomes a relationship, she dies. We don't really know because she dies. <laughs> she dies about it. So... It kills her. <laughs> I do. I do kind of, I mean, I think that, I don't know. There's good parts of how this is handled and bad parts. I feel like the fact that the age gap is discussed so much taking the autobiographical elements out of it and just viewing strictly as story. The fact to me that they are constantly talking about the age gap has a lot to do with the gender dynamics at play here because Mm -hmm. we see in movies all the time, a male lead who has a much younger, who has a 20 year age gap or more with a female love interest and most of the time it's not even addressed Mm -mm. or if it is addressed it's addressed through a joke or some kind of like whatever but it's like it's a non-issue where in those relationships as well age gap is like for sure I mean I'm like I'm like how does Leonardo DiCaprio connect with his girlfriends I don't know (laughs) Uh, what do they talk about yeah what do they they there's such a I feel like we've I've maybe brought it up before, but there's a really funny clip of Leonardo DiCaprio knowing exactly what happens in season one of Euphoria. And it's fully because he only dates 22 year olds <laughs> that watch Euphoria. Oh God. Uh, oh. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, as it, as Euphoria season one, episode five famously said, I'm like, Oh, your girlfriends are so young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, my girlfriend was born the year Titanic came out. And you're like, Jeez, oh. oftentimes. Yes. <laughs> in any case, we're, <laughs> I'm I'm not here to like cast a ton of judgment on relationships with age gaps. What sure. I'm saying is that it does feel very intentional that it's when there is an older woman and a younger man that it is brought up constantly and brought up to shame her yes. versus I think when you we see it in the reverse it's like hell yeah dude like right. look what you did. So that's like a really real thing where we've seen it in like pop culture a ton when Mm -hmm. it's like they're kind of like othered and like they're cougars they're like Mm -hmm. predators they're blah 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 cougar town right do you guys think that she would be as villainized and do you think that some of the plot points of this would go away if he happened to be a rich 20 year old because like the Ooh. thing that initiates some of their fights is like what he, he can afford, what he can't afford, mm-hmm. what he's had access to, what he hasn't had access to. Like when she's on the phone talking to Whoopi Goldberg, when she goes down to Jamaica a second time, she's like, he hasn't really done anything and he hasn't traveled anywhere. Should we just be dating rich 20 year olds? I guess is my question. <laughs> it makes you think. Yeah, There is kind of a class thing, but also like. He's the son of a surgeon, so he's not actually poor. He just, like, isn't making any of his own money, really, at this point. So it's, yeah, I don't, it's weird. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm not sure. I just want an excuse. I have this man on the lot. No, I'm kidding. I (laughs) No, I mean, that is like a class is, I mean, can you see you already started discussing it, but, like, class is a thing. Thing in this movie that it isn't 
it's only brought up kind of in one scene, mm-hmm. kind of, where, which is a scene I really like, where Stella is talking about why does she work in the job she wants? And it's not because it's something she was passionate about. She was passionate about furniture, question mark. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, that did feel so tacked on. You're like, okay, sure. Yeah, she likes right. furniture. <laughs> I've right. never seen a passion for furniture in a romantic <laughs> movie before, so I guess that's new. Groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the scene where she's talking about, well, I didn't take this job because I felt passionately about it. I took it because like, my mom was passionate about me being lifted out of poverty. And that is a really powerful, potent conversation that is really only kind of addressed through the furniture storyline. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it is. It's like she's she has. I mean, look at her house. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, that's a nice. She <sighs> has money, and my apartment could fit in her furniture studio. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. You just have my apartment just sitting behind your house unused. You haven't right. been back there in years. Okay, interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a uh, poor people don't really come into play in this movie at all, which is kind of to me compound in, in the fact that it takes place at or a lot of it takes place at a like resort which are famously exploitative oh and, yeah mm-hmm. like take from poor people and so yeah class I, this genre just doesn't <laughs> like to acknowledge poor people yeah no. ever really like <laughs> for all the things that this movie does right that is not one of them yeah, the closest thing I think would be like Regina King needs to borrow $300 because she has a job, but uh, it's a lower paying job and she doesn't seem to be earning enough to make ends meet. Yeah. But she drives an ambulance, which those are some of the funniest parts of the movie. Someone's being loaded into the ambulance, <laughs> like clearly scene. having a medical emergency. And they're like, come on, let's go. And she's like, in a minute, I'm on the phone. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Regina. Regina King is so funny all the time. I think yeah. she's been funny. She can so do funny good. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they do kind of like they, they they don't even address it. But when when Stella goes and meets Winston's parents and she's trying to be nice because she senses the situation is awkward. She's like, oh, can I help with anything? And the mom very quickly asserts the workers can do that. It was just like this weird thing that's like, no, 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 we're wealthy. Like I and it seems like. <laughs> She was playing with class in that moment, too, because I don't think she knows that Stella is, like, a wealthy person. Right. right. It was just, like, it was this weird, like, let's constantly shift the dynamics so that you are not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then the, the rest of that scene is Winston's mom being like, you pathetic, desperate <laughs> piece of shit dating my son, which brings us back to the, the age gap thing where like, yeah, Jamie, you were saying it, we're not here to like shame people in relationships that have an age gap. No. And in fact, it's like, I'm fully supportive of like, they should like, if this is a relationship they want, they like each other. Like, yeah. Yeah. Who are their families and friends to be like, this isn't okay. It's just the, I think it's just the amount of discussion that's had about it that is For what sets it apart. Sure. But that it, it's like, it's indicative. And the tone of the discussion. It, and yeah, it gets talked about a lot in this movie, but that's only because it is very much mirroring how society feels about mm-hmm. this dynamic of the older woman and the younger man. And like, 
Stella has been conditioned to think like, this isn't okay. Like, uh, what am I doing? And then Winston's just like, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I love you. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, 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 it's just, it is, yeah, it's just interesting. It's kind of just worth noting that so much of their conversations are about, there's a, when he's in the pool, he's like, say it a 3 million times. That way I never have to hear it again about how you're 20 years older than me. Like, he keeps trying to like get her to get it out of her system because he's like, I don't care as much as you do. And she's like, ah, but yeah, it's only because like she is a product of her environment of like living in a society where people don't deem it acceptable for older women to be romantic prospects or to be sexually viable, even though Angela Bassett is the most beautiful woman on the oh. planet. Uh, yeah, like I, yeah. I want, I, okay. I have six years to get to like, she's 40, right? Yeah. <laughs> like someone's like, you look good for 40. She looks good for all time. And I have six years to get to that level. If I'm going to meet like my mental projection of what 40 looks like, it is in fury. I just, yeah. Angela Bassett to me all time, like, if I if I would write a movie about myself, I would cast Angela Bassett as me today. I just she's so, <laughs> right. If you had the choice, you'd be like, yes, Angela Bassett. I want it to look like I can punch someone in the face, like with barely moving my fan. She's got the best. Like, I just I love her so much. Okay, her I'm not gonna. Her skin is flawless. Her arms, her <laughs> arms, her arm shoulder combination puts Michelle Obama to shame, and it's <laughs> glorious. Everyone in this movie is unconscionably beautiful. Like it's just, it's a it's hot rude. movie. It's, it's just it's yeah. Like it's also conf- I kept getting confused because I'm like Angela Bassett, and then also a character named Angela. How mm-hmm. dare you? Yeah, like don't do that. Uh, That's rude. Yeah, passive aggressive. But also I'm like I guess you know <laughs> Terry McMillan didn't know Angela Bassett was going to be in it, but she should have. Yeah, Anyways. she should have. Yeah, the way that people react, I mean, it's especially that scene with with Winston's mother where that was a scene I didn't like where I know that Winston's mom is reflecting the judgment of society at large on relationships where there's an older woman and a younger man. But I also I didn't like how anyone handled that scene, really, because in my head and I. I mean, I'm like, I who am I to tell Stella what she should have done? But it's like <laughs> Stella has a young son herself. And I felt like there was a meeting ground in that conversation where yeah. she's like, OK, I understand why you would worry about your son. I also have a young son. But like, please consider that your son is an adult and is making choice. And like, but the framing of his mother is just kind of like truly like a one line of dialogue. Shrew like character. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we don't even, she's never discussed again. Like it never comes up right. yeah. again. I don't know. Who's paying for his medical school? Right. I just, what? Right. I'm like, did they cut him off after that? It yeah, doesn't seem like it. Okay. And then after Winston's mom completely rails against Stella, she's like outside and she's like, I've never been more humiliated in my life. And Winston's like, don't you think you might be overreacting? And she's oh. like, no, she said all these things to me. And then, Granted, like a few seconds later, he's like, yeah, that was out of line. I'm sorry. Like, but he's just like, um, you're overreacting. And it's like, um, no, she's not. <laughs> uh, let's take another quick break and then we will come right back for more discussion. Me. Focus 
Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Well, something I just wanted to bring up briefly, because just for fear of sounding hypocritical, because depending on when this episode gets released, we will either have just released or are about to release an episode on the movie Ghost World. And in that movie, there's a relationship between an 18-year-old girl and a 41-year-old man, I think is how those ages break yeah. down. And the, and the age gap is brought up more than mm-hmm. would I mean to give it the smallest amount of credit at least the age gap <laughs> is addressed where it, normally it in that kind of relationship it wouldn't even be referenced right and However, then so so in that episode we took a big issue with the fact that like this sexual relationship happens between this very young woman and an older man Whereas on this episode, I'm like, yeah, Stella, get it. Go have sex with Dave Diggs. Who cares that he's 20 years younger than you? And I think that has a lot to do with... So if you're like, Caitlin, you're being a hypocrite. But in my defense, um, I feel like it has a lot to do with how each of these movies frame those relationships because the 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 age gap and the kind of the ages of these characters are all pretty similar between these two movies but the circumstances are different enough where Thora Birch's character is still a teenager she's only just graduated high school she's still taking a high school art class whereas Winston is not a teenager he's a few years older and more mature he has finished college he's in his 20s yeah so i know i mean i'm i feel conflicted about this because like on one hand i'm like yeah stella like go have sex with tay diggs and then i'm like steve buscemi get away from thora birch Uh, yeah i I think definitely uh everyone go back to that episode if you want to hear more about it i i feel the same thing i mean i don't know i think this movie by and large i agree that tay diggs is not fully mature but is more mature yeah than thora birch's character in ghost world putting one against the other i don't think really makes sense because they're really different relationships Mm -hmm. yeah and really different characters who are in different stages of life but in any case yes there's a lot that i like i i do like that 
this movie addresses age gaps and kind of, I mean, in some that you could view as kind of dismissive of the younger person where it's like, there's Cocoa Puffs in my bed. He wants to watch (laughs) The Lion King. There were a couple of things where I was like, this doesn't feel consistent, where it was like the Cocoa Puffs in the bed during the call when he's like, you should come back to Jamaica. He's very serious until this weird, it felt tacked on thing where he's like, and can you bring junk food? Like, right. And the Cocoa Puffs, like all that stuff just makes it like, Okay, you guys wanted to emphasize that he was young, but like that that felt very tacked on. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that that like I was like, what? He's an adult. He has a job. He has a biology degree. Yeah, he could Why is <laughs> I mean, and it's <laughs> like, I mean, who among us doesn't want to sometimes eat, eat cocoa, cocoa puffs and watch yeah. the Lion King? <laughs> right. It's fair. I I, <laughs> I thought the be- the best way this was tackled was in the movie theater scene where he wanted to see kind of I guess like a movie that skewed very young that right. was like she did she didn't think was good and then they run into her gregnant sister <laughs> and her gregnant sister's like judgy husband and friends and they're like oh did you like that the ending was so sad and stella was like embarrassed to be like i saw this movie for teenagers and yeah. they were like oh stella <laughs> <laughs> that's wild to me that response well, yeah i know like who would be like oh actually i didn't see like I didn't see Schindler's List. I saw my big fat Greek wedding, and then people are like, "Wow, what's wrong with you? Like right. how you fall?" Young people see serious movies, and <laughs> older people see movies that are fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was. It was like it was just that they went to a comedy, and then her sister Angela was like, "Ew, you saw a <laughs> comedy film." <laughs> um, also, that scene is so weird because. There's this guy whose name, either his name is Judge or his job is that he's a judge. Not sure, but he's <laughs> Judge <there>. Reinhold. <laughs> judge Reinhold <laughs> is there. Uh, this is the guy who Angela had previously tried to set Stella up with before, who had like called her, but then it, you know, it all fizzles out when she starts having sex with Tay Diggs. But he's there, and he seems to be with another woman on a date yes. but he's like stella let's get together sometime let's go running and then- and she's his date is framed to seem very frigid but i'm like no she's totally right like he's why being he rude with he's asking another yeah. woman out in front of her when he's on a date with this this other woman yeah <laughs> weird um yes weird (laughs) there's there's a few other really silly scenes to me the foreplay scene where like winston like tries to flirt with her by like putting ice on her back and then stella like freaks out and he's like oh i'm gonna go to the bathroom and then when he comes back he sees what i guess she had like deliberately like made it so it looked like she was lying in the bed all covered up completely still and he's like well i better take off my clothes then (laughs) and then she pounces on him from behind and then it's like all flirty again i was like i'm not sure whose foreplay goes like this (laughs) and if it's effective if it works for you fine but i was just like what is happening Um, i i definitely felt that is a thing that he read in a book or a magazine like oh you got to try this sex move women love it and then he did that and she's like i swear to god if you ever in your life also this is a question that you guys will probably ask later but like 
I know very few 20-year-olds now who would have the confidence to be like, hey, you're a lady, and I like looking at you, and we should hang out more, even though you're a stranger, and I will continue to hit on you even when you say you're not sure about the relationship. Mm -hmm. I feel like the 20-year-old guys I know right now have a hard time even with the first part of that. Right. I have never spoken to a 20 year old since ah. I was like 22 so I'm I don't know how they are right now I don't know what they're like there's I mean I, I think yeah for this it's tough because it's like I want to say one thing but it's like I also you also need to like contextualize it very carefully because I do believe for this relationship to make sense in the movie you have to have some sort of suspension of disbelief but when I say that I'm not saying that relationships with age gap require suspension of disbelief it's just how this one is sometimes presented to you right that you're just like what like things like why is he at this resort all the time (laughs) is that even allowed like there's just a lot of little things you need to suspend in order for it to work where and there's kind of like an equally loaded discussion that i've found around this movie of this movie has 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is mm. fully ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and you can just, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but you, there's so many corny white guy reviews of this movie that are just like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not Do for me. Do people want to see this? That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must be bad since it wasn't made for me. It's the it's kind of the typical bullshit there. But I saw a lot of reviews, even current. Um, there was like an AV Club article about this when it came on, on the 20th anniversary two years ago, referring to it as like a romantic fantasy. And I feel like fantasy is a loaded term because it is fantastic plot wise that this relationship works out right but i feel like the implication there is that it's a fantasy for an older woman to be cared about and desired and loved by a younger man so i don't like the way the word fantasy is deployed in this movie even Mm -hmm. though i fully don't think their relationship is going to work (laughs) for the reasons illustrated in the movie but that's like that's why these two people I don't think would be in a relationship that would function. Not right. every relationship with an age gap like this. Yeah. I don't know. It's confusing. It's more, to me, it's like, what are they compatible about? They don't seem to have anything in common. They don't seem to have that much chemistry. Like, yes, they're both extremely attractive, but like actually when they're on, maybe, maybe I just don't know how to read chemistry on screen, but I'm just like, do they even <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but the more important, I mean, they just, they don't, no common interests. What are their interests besides making furniture for Stella? And having sex with each other. And um, having sex with each other. So I think. Furniture, sex. I yeah. guess I would have just liked to see both of their characters developed a bit more. And just in terms of like, what what about them is compatible, which would really help me. I would, I would be rooting for them more if that were the case. Yeah. But either way, I'm still like, yeah, like get into that shower, Stella, with all of your clothes on while Tay Diggs is naked. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like, wow. So a, she, Angela Bassett is one of the few people who can look good while wet, like Mm -hmm. while coming out of water and not looking like a dog that's been like hit in the face. That's how most people look when they are wet. She looks Uh great when she does it. So that's crazy. Second thing, she decides to go to Jamaica like the next day they go to Jamaica. The type of braids that she have takes like 10 hours to do. Uh So I'm like, bitch, what are you talking about? That's not 
realistic at all to me. And that she's just like, yes, I will get my hair wet. And, the, okay, I right now have braids. These things mm-hmm. hold water like you wouldn't believe. That she's going to fuck in a shower and then be carried into her bed and then fuck there. Like, her <laughs> bed is soaking wet. <laughs> There's water everywhere. There's a pool from the bathroom to her room. It's a mess. I There was not a towel in sight. I just... This is a thing that I could not disbelieve. She, she, we see her get her hair wet like three different times in the movie. Yes, she's always underwater. <laughs> it's a very wet movie. It's a very... Yes, I think that is how people will describe this moving forward. You know how Charlotte got her groove back. The very wet movie. Yes, I mean the poster is her in front of the beach. Um, exactly. After she goes into the shower with him, which and she's also wearing all of her clothes. She's like wearing yeah, a what? sweater, and she's like, "I'm just gonna step <laughs> into the shower with you, and we're gonna kiss." And then it cuts to like them in bed, and he's like, "I think the implication is like he has fucked her so good that she's crying because there's like tears." coming out of her eyes. oh i thought she was crying because she was confused i, thought I took she it as like, like a last time we had like the, that makes more sense you, have you guys ever done this in a relationship where you know this is the last time where you're like yeah this isn't gonna work we both know it's not gonna work we're gonna take this one last evening together and then it's oh like i took it as a like well that was the last of it cry uh-huh that that makes way more sense <laughs> there, yeah no she's crying because she's sad because they she's she's like we have nothing in common yeah <laughs> i think what I... so one i do think that this is to caitlin's point that they don't develop these characters enough i think one thing that a lot of black movies in the 90s have to deal with is that you're trying to be respectable to the point where like what are her flaws like that she likes working like it they're very much so trying to make her like nope she's not like a single mom in the way that you think of a black single mom no 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 she's very professional okay Mm -hmm. she's also uh dedicated she's also athletic she's uh, got good god we need to know she's athletic Mm -hmm. and uh she has a passion uh maybe she needs to return to it but like that but like she can't have some of those depths of character because she's so busy trying to like Mm -hmm. or the care like the people who wrote it whatever are so busy trying to make her seem perfect and unassailable right and i feel like that probably stems from black filmmakers trying to correct some of the damage that's been done regarding representation of black people in movies prior to this right because like before this it was i mean it was a lot of really racist archetypal characters like you know the mammies and the bucks and like really horrible and really damaging uh, reductive tropes like that yeah it was also black exploitation films and those characters it was black characters who were in movies with predominantly white casts who were there playing characters who were criminals or pimps or you know just again all the reductive racist representations Mm -hmm. or just an absence or a lack of black characters and media. So I feel like black filmmakers in more recent decades have had the burden of trying to repair some of that damage that was done, of course, by mostly white filmmakers with really positive representations of black characters in their movies. And I feel like it just kind of lent itself to some black characters who were almost too perfect, who had no flaws and 
tons of wealth and awesome jobs. It's like the the, the model minority trope. Like yeah. of yeah, because I, I feel like, I mean, there's so much from this generation of entertainment that, I mean, that was, I feel like, I mean, aside from Bill Cosby, like, that's a lot of what previously a lot of the conversation around the, the Cosby show was, was, yes. it was like the first uh, or one of the first major black sitcoms that was popular across everywhere, mm-hmm. but it was pulling from a lot of model minority, like, this is a very wealthy yeah you know class privileged family Mm -hmm. but then that means like then you just have the like characters who don't end up being that well developed or who who feel just a little bit more kind of stock character without any flaws because like yeah (laughs) which i understand like wanting to write characters that way especially based on like the poor representation that had been seen in movies prior to that but yeah then it just means like okay well then Angela Bassett is perfect yeah <laughs> doesn't right. have any flaws um, <laughs> did you guys this is a very specific reference but there's an SNL skit where they try to make a Barbie they make an Asian Barbie and they like are trying so much not to fall into stereotypes that they're like she has a chef's hat and a dog that's it we're not saying she's a cook though we're not saying what her likes and interests are because we don't want like (laughs) i haven't seen that but that sounds pretty funny that's really funny it's like a barbie developed by a focus group to like not offend anyone and it's just she has a chef's head that's that's the doll make of that what you will yeah Uh, (laughs) that's funny i mean it's like it's it's such a frustrating thing to feel like this movie is hung up on, but like in context of the time it comes up, I feel like it does line up pretty cleanly with, I mean, not just the genre it's in, but like a lot of the common tropes around black characters in this genre of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including I mean, including the other Terry McMillan um, adaptation we've covered. Yeah, right. So I mean, I yes. I will say. I like this movie. I saw it for the first time this year with a bottle of wine and a lot of cheese, and it was Mm -hmm. perfect. As God intended. Yes. As a (laughs) mid-30s lady, this is, it was right, a shot straight to the, I don't know, basketball, but like, you get it, like a (laughs) three-point from that line, Mm. nothing but net, shot. It was made for me. Uh, But yeah, it does have, I'm like, she, she doesn't like get mad or like have a problem of any kind. Okay. like Right. I mean, there are there are issues with in the relationship, but even so, the the relationship is based on what? Like, what are they? What are they like? What's, what do they have in common? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I oh, man, it it does seem, and and I do appreciate that he kind of realizes that at some point, and then we still get our kind of irrational happy ending. Um, <laughs> but he also kind of realizes, like, oh right, like I what am I doing? You know, it's like, I, I've really inserted myself in Stella's life. And like, what, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I do like that. Well, I do think, you know, all the characters are undeveloped to varying degrees. I don't know why I'm defending this movie so much. I really like it. I think like, like they're less underdeveloped than a lot of characters in this genre. Cause like, this is yes. just the undeveloped genre where Winston, 
Okay, a choice that I thought in this movie that was really cool is you get like a female gaze cinematography approach to Tay Diggs. Yes. At mm-hmm. first, though, not for the whole movie, mm-hmm. where it's not making the like how, I mean, like how Megan Fox and how many like, you know, conventionally attractive women are treated on screen, where it's just like assumed this is how we're going to look at her. Yeah. Where. I feel like the cinematography choices in this movie are cool because we are seeing him through Stella's eyes. So at first she's barely listening to what he's saying. He's talking about medical school, but it's a slow pan on his body. Right. (laughs) But once she gets to know him, you don't really get those shots anymore because that's not how she's seeing him anymore. She's seeing him as a whole person. And like there is more to him than I mean, and there's like he's certainly not he is kind of like a spoiled rich kid who's figuring out his shit mm-hmm. in a lot of ways to the point where, I mean, who can afford to just hang out at a resort? Like <laughs> no one, you know? Yeah. Those meals are not cheap. No, I'm just like, and then he's always like, I have no money. I'm like, until you text your mom, like what? <laughs> he bought her like this heavy piece, like this big piece of like oh, yeah. equipment How? for her <laughs> a furniture workshop. He also buys her an engagement ring. Like, He's he he pays for that meal at that restaurant that he offers to pay for, I mean, which was probably upward like easily over a hundred dollars. Like, yeah, he seems like he gets mm-hmm. a stipend from his parents, or that's my <laughs> that's my guess. That's the only thing that explains it to me. Yeah, which and I get why. Like, still is also like I'm not totally comfortable with that. Like, it all makes sense, but I I like that Winston. I think Winston is given a little more depth and like layers to who he is. And the way Stella sees him and grows to see him has more layers than most mm-hmm. romantic movie couples. Yeah. Um, quick note about the female gaze, too, just going back to that really quickly. Mm-hmm. The way that this movie and a lot of movies kind of frame the female gaze or like the idea of the female gaze, which, you know, we acknowledge how heteronormative like the male gaze and the female gaze is. Anyway, her, like, Stella seeing just like looking at Tay Diggs's character and you know her eyes are lingering on his arms and his like lips whereas like the male gaze in most movies is like tits and ass so even like (laughs) the the, like the kind of female counterpart quote-unquote of a gazy shot is still like more respectful it's like oh his his lips and his like his shoulders and then it's like it's a more intellectualized gaze than than the reverse (laughs) it at least involves his face you know like (laughs) he's not a headless woman of hollywood um yeah yeah i mean it's i i like i i really like how this movie handles female gaze because sometimes it's like when it's kind of a one-to-one of like oh you don't like the male gaze well then just have the opposite and it's like well that's not really what i asked for um (laughs) and i feel like this movie toes that line pretty well where like it's just it's fucking cinematography like in theory if you're doing it right it should be reflective and tell you something about what's going on in the movie, not just like catering to the basis aspects of your audience. Like, <laughs> so in that way, I feel like this is successful because we're seeing him through Stella's eyes. So, yeah. yay. Yeah. Can we talk about Whoopi Goldberg and how she, yeah. they kill her in the movie? <laughs> I didn't, I don't like it. I, I, I don't know. And I was curious about this because I don't want to, if this is 
if this is an aspect that was taken from Terry McMillan's life, I don't want to minimize that in any way. I wasn't able to find any information on whether Delilah's character is in any way pulled from her experience. So I'll just say that because I, I mm-hmm. would hate to find out that, and that's so disrespectful, but if it is a story choice, I don't like it. It is. So, I think that that's like one of the lazier things that this movie does is brings in Whoopi Goldberg to be the best friend and have like, even for the best friend, have more to do than, you know, is, is normal. Right. And you get that. But then, it, and it is foreshadowed in the movie because when she says on the first trip to Jamaica, like she's kind of just saying vaguely ominous stuff. I'm like, Oh no, they're going to, she's going to die. That's yeah. why. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, it's like sitting next to my boyfriend being like, they're going to kill Whoopi Goldberg to teach <laughs> Angela Bassett that she needs to live in the moment. And that's literally what happens. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. They kill Whoopi Goldberg to teach Angela Bassett. She has to be in the moment. Why do that? Don't do that. I like Whoopi Goldberg a lot. She's great. I yes, I love her. She's I do. Awesome. I do appreciate that the movie does dedicate real estate to both uh, Stella's relationship with Whoopi Goldberg's character and Stella's relationship to her two sisters. I feel like a lot of yeah. romantic movies. I'm thinking of like The Notebook, where it's like, do we meet any of Rachel McAdams' <laughs> friends or hear them talk? Like you're just told they exist. Yeah, and they're in the background sometimes. Yeah, there's like that movie's just like so hyper focused on the on the romance, whereas like we see like and then also like with with Stella's son and like we meet her ex husband and we like see son. that dynamic, which is like I love that too. I yeah. love that scene. It was like her worst fear of like mm-hmm. having to show everyone this thing that she does have some shame around. And everyone was flipping cool except Angela. Like everyone right. was. Yeah. They were all like, hey, what's up, dude? Yeah. Even her ex-husband is cool with it. Yeah. Her ex-husband and Tay Diggs have that little scene together. And Tay Diggs kind of pushes back and is like, why are you giving me advice? Doesn't seem like it worked out too well for you. <laughs> like, that was great. Was very sweet. I, I really loved that. Mm-hmm. Oh. <sighs> Okay, couple things I just want to say real fast. Um, just Tay Diggs and his Jamaican accent. Uh, inconsistent. <laughs> inconsistent. Yes. Some in some scenes, I'm like, that sounds really authentic. I think he did a good job there. I, I mean, I'm by no means an it's expert like on experts. a Jamaican yes. accent, <laughs> but it was also inconsistent enough that I was like, that sounded very Irish right then, and not <laughs> Jamaican. Um, so I'm not sure that he's doing a good job all the time. Mm. It seems to be, I, I looked up some, it seems to be a pretty popular opinion that the accent is, is, um, <laughs> is perhaps not good. not good. And I think that, you know, you can be a great actor and probably just maybe not do an accent in a role. See Keanu Reeves, see Brad Pitt. There's a lot of actors mm. that we love who just have never done an accent <laughs> successfully. Well, but then there are, there are actors like... A uh, friend of the show, our king, Alfred Molina, who masters <laughs> All every accent them. he does. He's chameleon. <laughs> yeah. every... No one even knows he's British. <laughs> he's British? He's British. He's British. What? Yeah. That makes him hotter. That does. Real that... soft. That, that works. I get it now. Jamie, I was questioning this for a long time. Right. Now that you tell me that he's British, I'm into it. It's a game changer. It really it is. is. <laughs> um, I like that white people are cast in this movie the way that black people are cast in 
most yes. mainstream Hollywood movies in that they are barely there. Sure. They're mostly in the background. <laughs> they have very few lines of dialogue. I think Victor Garber is the only white person who says has anything. Which has, has a name and lines of dialogue. Um, <laughs> Isaac Visibility. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, Victor also, Garber. Victor Garber is uh, not credited in the credits of this movie, which really? I thought was fun. <laughs> He's not wow. credited. And then okay. I checked on Wikipedia and it says Victor Garber uncredited. I'm like, damn, the year after Titanic uncredited. Wow. This wow. business. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's worth just briefly noting that they're okay. So there are two characters named Jack and Buddy who um, Delilah, Whippy Goldberg's character is like trying to hook her and Stella up with. And they, their whole thing is like, Oh, look how unappealing they are. Yeah. But the things that are done to make them seem unappealing is that one of them has a stutter and the other one is kind of chubby. So just some needless body and speech impediment shaming. Right. So, you know, not great, but uh, yeah, uh, for a movie coming out in 98, there weren't that i mean that was kind of the only like really sort of like reductive thing that i noticed right i liked that buddy had enough confidence to take all of his clothes off at that pajama party <laughs> yes that he, like i i was honestly scandalized i was like if i was invited to a party and then everyone's tits came out i would be furious oh, that i was not warned that this was a tit there party should, there should have been a written Memo yes. <laughs> that I, I might see. T- yeah, you have to tell me. I have to get the tits ready if I'm supposed to just throw them out there. You know, so I that agree. I was like, wow, he's this. You know what? He loves himself and he loves yeah. his body, and I like that. That's being shown. Yeah, it's true. Um, any does anyone have anything else they want to say about the movie? Let's see. Yeah, uh, justice. For Delilah, I like that we knew what, uh, just going off of your comment, Caitlin, about how we, like, not only do we know Stella's support system, we also know a, at least a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie, in ways that it's just like, every movie could do this. We see Whoopi Goldberg at her job mm-hmm. once. Yeah. And you're like, I know something about her. Wow. Her job is to stuff Calvin Klein <laughs> mannequins uh, <laughs> who are wearing underwear, make them seem like they have bigger dicks. She's a high paid mannequin stylist, baby. And I, that's a fun <laughs> rich person job in a movie. Love it. Um, oh, uh, this movie was uh, directed by... Uh, I wanted to bring up some behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was directed by a black director, Kevin Rodney Sullivan, who I had a lot of fun learning about because he's had kind of like a fun career where he started as a child actor and then he grew into a writer-director. He has mostly been directing TV, but like he's directed mm-hmm. every big TV show. He directed 30 Rock episodes. He directed Modern Family episodes. He's directed NCIS. He's directed How to Get Away with Murder. He's directed Riverdale. He's like oh, a cool. big-shot TV director now and and directed this movie so he's great another person i had a lot of fun learning about was the editor of this movie a black editor named george bowers who i recommend you you just kind of dig into his life because he was also a filmmaker and he sounds like he was a really cool experimental filmmaker as well Mm -hmm. um so there is not a ton of women behind the scenes of this movie aside from terry mcmillan getting the co-writing credit Mm -hmm. there's a female producer there's a couple female producers if i remember correctly there's a few i just i don't know i was honestly like i wish that a black woman had been 
the director of this. That said, Kevin Rodney Sullivan seems really cool. And there's, I, I saw, I, all I'm looking at is I'm seeing one producer credit and it's a lady named Deborah Schindler. Deborah, yes. Um, and then I'm seeing a couple. Um, Terry McMillan was also an executive producer, as was Jennifer Ogden. Oh, right. uh, um, don't know how to say it. Um, so a couple like executive producers uh, are women. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think just taking a look at the behind the scenes stuff is good. This movie was reviewed in a very pointed way because there were simply very few uh, black reviewers and female reviewers that were working at this time. So it's just kind of the classic like this movie isn't about me. I don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No stars kind of <laughs> thing. Yeah. Not no stars, but like it, it just very passive aggressive reviews. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I really like this movie. My favorite exchange is when uh, Stella and Winston first meet and he just says, good morning. And she replies with, are you a rapper? (laughs) That's the first thing she says to him. You're like, I'm trying to get from A to B here, but I just can't. You're like, okay, sure. I mean, maybe she's like, okay, a subcategory, someone that would be eating at a resort alone. Yeah. Is that, I'm like, what? Like... He doesn't necessarily, I mean, what does a rapper look like? But he doesn't necessarily look like a rapper. (laughs) No, he's just eating at a resort alone. Yeah. Uh I didn't even think about that, but that's a weird ass. I would be like, cool, so you don't want me to bother you. Okay, bye. Like, that would be the end of the. Right. Wow, that's a weird ass thing for you to say. Okay, goodbye. She doesn't even say, like, hello or good morning back. She just, uh, he's like, good morning. Are you a rapper? Like, it's just like. Uh, No. Um, I will, I, I deeply love, and this is something, it's something so nineties and like embedded in my heart, a sex scene where there are gauzy white curtains fluttering in the wind. I think it's so important. I love it so much where they pan to them and they're just gently moving. And like only one is, cause that's where the fan that the right. designer is, is like pointed at the, yeah. Oh, it's. I don't even know if these ones were steamed. Sometimes you can still see the the wrinkles from where they took it out of the packaging. But man, the gauze, perfect. Uh, very really adds a layer of sexy to the to the scene. Caitlin, I just I just want that she has such good sex that she cries. That made me laugh so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was like, why is she crying? I don't understand human emotion. Whoopsies. <laughs> Okay. Um, I guess my final thought would be that this feels pretty tropey for like any kind of romantic movie. But at the beginning of the movie, Stella is like, I don't care about meeting a man. I don't need a man. Uh, this is actually an exchange I really like where she and her sisters are getting pedicures or they're, they're at a spa. They're talking and then like they annoy her. So Stella says, don't talk to me for the next two hours. Five seconds pass, and then Angela, her sister, is like, you need a husband, and your son needs a father. <laughs> <laughs> and You're just like, whoa. <laughs> in whoa. Just hang, yeah. whoa. <laughs> and then Stella says, Stella says, had one, got rid of him, so glad I did. 
And then she's like, also, like, my son has a father. His name is Walter, if you remember him. You know him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then she's like, you know, just because Kennedy, which is uh, Angela's husband, just because Kennedy writes, produces, directs, and stars in all three acts of your drama, don't fool yourself. Every woman doesn't need that kind of guidance. So she's basically saying, like, I don't need a man. And that's great. But that is also, like, rom-com code for she's going to end up with a man by the end of the movie yes 100 percent, without question well yeah i guess it's i guess we haven't brought yeah there's definitely i think because of the time and the genre there's definitely echoes of like eye rolly like 90s girl power where it's like i don't need a man i just need a man <laughs> you're, like, you're just like okay i just haven't met tay Diggs yet and looked at his arms and suddenly as soon as that happens and i find out he's not a rapper a burden then uh, <laughs> uh, I've, i also yes. okay when the movie ended i was just like i was like what a confusing day for quincy <laughs> her son because mm. he has just been told like say goodbye you're never going to see this man again. And then yeah. like, guess what? He's your stepfather and he lives <laughs> with us. Good night. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I wouldn't trust adults after that. Messy. I know. Yeah. That's like all in the span of like, however long it takes her to drive to and from the airport. Within an hour. <laughs> like, remember how he just left to move back to Jamaica? Well, he's back and we're getting married. <laughs> yeah. And then be, she would be like, oh, you misunderstood. Like she could just like gaslight him into being like, no, 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 you misunderstood. He is actually your stepfather. <sighs> now Quincy has to get his groove back in like the sixth grade or however old he is. I don't know. <laughs> I do love that as a movie in the way that they did like a fuller house and a girl meets <laughs> yeah. world. Just like how with like the kid gets his groove back. Yeah. Oh. oh, he's such a sweet character. He is and he makes her breakfast. So we see a young boy cook. A young nurturing son. Yeah. And he's like, I want to do something. And he tells his he's like he's like, Mom, I just want you have fun while I'm gone and like he really that oh I just love their relationship and I like that you do get to see uh it and that like as a a mother like is a character who is like romantically viable because like I think a lot of movies would be like oh you have a kid well then see ya yeah yeah I mean a 40 year old woman being romantically viable a mother being romantically viable like there's so many I don't know. I'm I'm just going to defend this movie to the end of time. That scene between them at the airport at the beginning made me cry. I loved it. Where he's mm. just like, now, mom, I want you to take care of yourself. And I care about you. And you're the best mom ever. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go to Jamaica. You're like, all yeah. right, I guess. I'm going to go and get dicked by Tay Diggs. Um, That's yeah, what, it's what my son would want. It's what yeah. my son would want. <laughs> He's also very cool with their relationship. Um, okay. Well, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Definitely. Yeah. And it's thanks to like the writing being careful to include her sisters and Delilah. It does pass the Duvernay test. Mm-hmm. Obviously, far more handily than most movies. Yay, movie. Yeah. Uh, shall shall we rate it on our nipple scale? Yes, let's shall. Uh, zero to five nipples based on its representation of women and also just an overall examination of intersectional feminism. Um, I would give this film 
contextualizing it, knowing that it is like a romantic movie and based on that it is going to be centered around a romantic relationship and in this case it's a hetero romantic relationship knowing all of that Mm. i think i would give it a three and a half or a four like just the fact that you have you see representation of an older woman being like worshipped and respected by this far younger man again it's something that society was not deeming as acceptable it's something that other characters were not deeming as acceptable but Stella was just like fuck it I'm gonna get my groove back okay this and then this is how and I didn't even know that I didn't have my groove but I'm gonna get it back and and it's Winston Shakespeare is gonna give it to me um and so that and just yeah like the the exploration of her relationships with her sisters and her friend Delilah and her son and different things to to characterize her the fact that maybe we could have gotten a better understanding of of why they're in love with each other and like what they're compatible about mm-hmm. but again that's i mean that's like we said it's pretty standard for the genre we we don't know why these people are ever in love except that they are close to each other and they are both conventionally attractive but it's like do we ever really know like why jlo and matthew mcconaughey were in love <laughs> no no they were just hot oh and gosh. around each other. It's implicit. That's all it's it inherent takes. to the genre. Yes. It's just hot and around. Or my least favorite twist, I knew you when I was a child, therefore I have to marry you. <laughs> 13 going on 30. Yes, yes, yes. So. Right, 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 right. Uh, so yeah, sorry, I was on my nipple rating. Um, I'll give it, you know what? I'll give it, I think I'll do like a, th- a three and a half. Or four. I don't know. What's everyone else going to do? I need other people's influence here. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm going to do probably, I will fully admit this is partially just, I'm rating with my emotions, but I, I want to give it a four. I mm-hmm. just feel like this, for the reasons we've discussed, this movie doesn't do everything right, but there's so much about this movie that is, first of all, I mean, if we're talking about subversions in the drama or to the genre, this story is pretty engaging and like makes sense more often than not, which is not something you usually get. I also, oh, something we didn't talk about is like the kind of one of the big inciting incidents in, in this movie is that Stella wants to like, she's not embarrassed or like ashamed of self-care and like practicing self-care and that Mm -hmm. i mean that's a whole the the whole practice of self-care can get kind of insidious and capitalism steeped we won't go there but on the surface level i think it is really nice that the first time we see stella not at work she is you know like having a relaxing day with her sisters and this whole trip with whoopi goldberg is self-care and like redefining herself and just seeing women especially not young women and especially a black woman like prioritizing herself and being like you know what I like even though and I thought it was kind of a cool detail that she says she wants to do it and then she's like no I don't want to and then her friend is like no we're gonna go like that felt Mm -hmm. really cool Um, yeah you just don't see movies like that very much where it's like a woman who's very for the most part, like without shame being like, I deserve this. Like I'm going to take care of myself and you know, the internalized shame and back and forth that comes with that. 
is a very real thing and I like that it's addressed, but at its heart, I feel like this is a story of like self-care and prioritizing yourself and recognizing that you can have responsibilities in life and not totally lose sight of who you are. And, and get your groove. Yes. Back. And get your groove. That's where the word groove comes into play. <laughs> and I just, I found that to be very soothing and wonderful and nice to see in a movie for all of the goofy problems that we um, discussed. So mm-hmm. kind of for that alone, it's going to get for f- for me. And, and you just don't have many black romance movies. And I like Terry McMillan. I like that this is based on a true story even though it ends uh, not like the movie. <laughs> and yeah, I really like this movie. So I'm going to give yeah. two nipples to Stella, one nipple to Delilah, RIP. And I'll give one nipple to, what was the niece's name? The niece, I was like, why is she here? Also, Chantel's? whose kid was that? I think it's, I think it's <laughs> Regina King's daughter. Oh, okay. I was, I just, it wasn't clear to me which sister's kid that was. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a legitimate question that I never thought about. And she doesn't come back, but I'm like, there (laughs) she is. Because Regina King, sorry, there's a jackhammer happening behind me. Um, Regina King refers to like waiting on what I think is a child support check from like her ex-partner. And okay. I, I, her name is Chantel, if I'm not mistaken. Chantel. I think it's, yeah, I think she is Regina King's daughter. For like one line that she got, I thought she was like very engaging and funny for the one scene that she is <laughs> in. So mm-hmm. she gets my fourth nipple. Good for her. Nice. <laughs> she said, okay, it's really funny because it's the two kids talking in the pool. Quincy is like, oh yeah, like Winston's a lot younger than my mom. And, sh- and Chantel's like, well, how young? And he's like, not quite 30, which is like a decade off of how old he actually is. But then Chantel says, oh, that's not young because 30 is not young, everybody. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Um, so, the, yeah, that was very funny. Um, okay, so, yeah, I'll give it four nipples as well. Most of my gripes with the movie are more like screenwriting based, you know, like it could have been a half hour shorter. <laughs> you know, there were some weird tonal shifts that I couldn't quite make sense of. Um, that, <laughs> I love Tay Diggs's accent. I give one of my nipples to him trying to do a Jamaican <laughs> accent. Uh, I'll give two to Stella and I'll give one to Regina King. Uh, I am going to give it four nipples. One to the scene in the shower where Tay Diggs' butt is very prominent uh-huh. and Angela gets to be dressed the whole time. Um, so I'm going to give one nipple to that scene in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, one to Regina King because she deserves everything in the world. Mm-hmm. One to Whoopi Goldberg because she's very funny in this way that's like, hell yeah, I hope that that's the type of friend relationships I continue to have uh, well until my thir- 40s. And hope I mean, I don't want to die and I don't want my friends to die, but <laughs> you get it. I want a good relationship with my friends. That is what that nipple is for. And I'm going to say the fourth nipple to every time they yell as a group at Angela, the sister who's a jerk. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much when they would be like, shut up, Angela. And everyone's like, yeah, you. Sh- we don't like you. And it's like, yes, you suck. And your whole family knows it. 
Yeah. Stella goes over to her house to be like, you disrespected my boyfriend yesterday and I need you to apologize. And then she does. She's like, I didn't mean to be rude. Like, I'm just looking out for you. Aren't you worried about this? I liked that you get resolution there. Yeah. Yeah. And Stella's like, of course I'm worried about this. But like, you just need to be supportive. I'll be the worrier here. So yeah, I I did. I like that little arc. Kanice, thank you so much for being here, for being our, again, first ever fourth time guest. <laughs> Listeners, check out uh, yeah. our Hell Back yeah. to the Future episode on the Matreon, our uh, Casino so Royale episode on the main feed, as well as an episode that is, what did we name it? It's like um, uh, something, oh. something and a discussion with Kanice Mobley. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> She'll be back for her jacket. You'll be back for your jacket. I do. I I mean, if you guys happen to have a velvet smoking jacket, I would never turn it down. (laughs) Just so you know. We, you'll see it. You'll get it. Um, Where can people follow you online? What would you like to plug? So you can follow me online on all of the platforms at Kenise Mobley. I just even made a TikTok because they said that I had to. And it has no videos because I don't know how to use that app. Me either. Look out. I will one day have one. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be great. And I have my podcast, which is called Love About Town. Caitlin, you've been on it. Jamie, you were on Person About Town, but we got to get back for Love About Town. Uh, I'm now co-host of Complexify Complexify on Vice. Uh, So check out all that stuff and you know just you know keep your eyes peeled i'm around you're you're doing stuff look behind you yes (laughs) (laughs) right now no okay (laughs) oh well uh thanks again so much for being here we always love having you um you can follow us on social media at bechtelcast you can subscribe to our patreon aka matreon and check out that back to the future episode uh with kenise and then you can do that by going to patreon.com slash bechtelcast it's only five dollars a month and it gives you two bonus episodes plus access to the entire back catalog and again sorry if you can hear the jackhammer behind me You can get our merch on tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast. Get all your favorite stuff. We also have masks in the store now. So if you are looking for a new mask to add to your dystopia collection, we have those as well. Um, Yeah. Well, everyone, let's go and get our grooves back. What do you say? (laughs) I lost mine. Gotta go out. I lost mine. I need to get my groove back. But too bad we can't travel. What are we supposed to do? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I want to go to Jamaica. All right, bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.